0: Skull Rock Podcast is brought to you by the generosity of the following companies. Shure, sound extraordinary. To podcasters, recording musicians, and streamers who are looking for studio quality audio at home or on the road, the Shure MV7 Podcast Kit is a premium all-in-one solution inspired by the legendary Shure SM7B and is designed to address the versatility required by modern creators. For more on the Shure MV7 podcast kit, visit shure.com, S-H-U-R-E.com, or click the link in our show notes. Shure, sound extraordinary. And by The Old Mill Press, publishing beautifully crafted books that illuminate our world. To learn more, visit theoldmillpress.com. And by listeners like you.
1: This is animator Randy Cartwright, and you are listening to the Skull Rock
0: Podcast.
1: Skull Rock Podcast, talking all things Disney, with your hosts Al John Go and Dave Bossert.
0: Welcome yet again to another episode of Skull Rock Podcast, your show about all things Disney and pop culture. Every week, we take you behind the scenes of some of your favorite Disney films, theme park attractions, performances, books, music, as well as what's streaming, what's in theaters, and what's up with this universe of entertainment, or should I say multiverse? (laughs) I'm John Go, musician and longtime Disney, Marvel, Star Wars, and pop culturist. That's the thing. You can email me at aljong, A-L-J-O-N, at skullrockpodcast.com.
2: And I'm Dave Bosser, your friendly neighborhood artist, filmmaker, and author, and welcome to the Skull Rock Podcast. If you love Disney and pop culture, please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. You can also like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can also email me at Dave at SkullRockPodcast.com. Al John, happy fourth of July. Happy near fourth. This is dropping on the pre
0: fourth. So uh you know, I am waving the American flag loud and proud. Uh I'm loving the red, white, and blue and the apple pie and the hot dogs and all that other stuff. So uh Love it.
2: And and, and uh, let me ask you this, because July 4th is falling on a Tuesday yeah, and you you took Monday off or you had Monday. Oh,
0: off? I, I, I took Monday off. I said, you know okay. what? I'm going to enjoy my life. I'm going to have this four day weekend. I'm going to spend it with a fam and uh, we're going to have a good time. You know, awesome. So, yeah. Awesome. How about I, you, man? I,
2: I, Well, you know something. Last week, uh, we went up to Napa Valley to visit my daughter and also my nephew and his wife. They just had a a a baby girl who's only a couple weeks old. Congrats! So we popped in to visit them, and uh, and of course, while we were in Napa, we visited a few wineries, and uh, including, by the way, the Inglenook wineries, which are owned by Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah, and at the winery, he had a whole bunch of hollywood memorabilia on display including a tucker automobile yeah from from the movie tucker yeah and uh he had uh zoetropes and uh um awards and family photos and all kinds of stuff it was really uh a wonderful winery to visit
0: i love coppola wineries you know the the yeah. couple of wines are just consistent and so good. Now I'm not a wine person per se, but I have become one by default. Uh, learning about wines through my wife, as you know, you know dining at Disney, she's the foodie,
1: so I, I've learned
0: a lot about wine through her and good beer. And needless to say, because of the four-day weekend, we did go down and stock up, if you know what I'm saying.
2: <laughs> oh, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Uh, we, hey, listen, we have a great show. Uh, we've got Eddie Corral, who has been a cleanup artist in the animation industry. Yeah. And and this is an area we don't necessarily hear from t- Too many uh, uh, folks about this, you know, uh, discipline uh, as a cleanup artist. So we're going to talk to Eddie. He's also an accomplished painter uh, as well as an archer, uh, believe it or not. Uh, He's been doing archery since he was a kid. And uh, he's going to talk a little bit about that as well. So uh, another fascinating guest. Uh, and we're looking forward to talking with Eddie. Um, so, and, and by the way, I, I do want to tease this to our guests, um, to our listeners that, uh, we have an incredible lineup of guests coming. Oh. I mean, you, you know, people have been blown away by who we've already had on the show Wait till, wait till you hear who we're having on the show, which I'm not going to tell you right now because, you know, that's always been my modus operandi yeah. is I want it to be a surprise. Dave, you don't tease anything.
0: You're like the Fort Knox. <laughs> you don't tease. You don't give anything away. You just wait for people to tune in week after week for these great interviews. And uh, I'm I'm always stunned because, you know, we're we working on this uh, stuff together and it's a surprise and delight for me and i know it will be for our listeners as well but you know what i love about yeah. the, this interview with Eddie is the fact that he's kind of the you know one of the unsung heroes because you know we talk to these these key animators and these producers and and people that score films and things but the cleanup artist is so important and integral to the operation of, of these these cinematic masterpieces so
2: it's nice to see somebody uh, get their Stay in the light, if you will. Uh, no, absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, it's really the rank and file. It's the army of artists that make these animated films that we've all enjoyed over the decades. Uh, and uh, Eddie is one of those guys. And uh, it's going to be a great conversation. Mm, I can't wait. So we have a bunch of stuff we're going to talk about and review
0: with our picks of the week coming up, as well as the news segment. But Dave, looks like we do have something that came in over the, what is it, the email. Did I play this right? Did I play the right? There you go. Skull Rock Podcast.
1: Answers your email. I
0: knew for sure that I was going to hit the right button this week, Dave.
2: Well, th- this actually was a, uh, a a note I got from uh, on Facebook, uh, oh, okay. and uh, the it, it reads: "Hey Dave, I just listened to the Skull Rock uh, interview with Rick Farmalo, and I totally agree with you about what you said about today's animated features, mostly from Disney. Yes, I saw Strange World; loved the look of the film, the designs of the world under the land, but the character." designs oy. uh and so uh she didn't really care for it. and uh and, and that comes f- from Pam, uh, who's a regular listener, and I thank her for sending me that note. And and I, I, I that note really pertained to our conversation last week about uh, when we were talking with Rick about how a lot of the animated films are starting to look all the same, mm-hmm. but there's a few breakouts like Spider-Man across the Spider Verse and uh, the upcoming Teenage Mutant Ninja. Turtles. uh, Turtles. You got it. Did I get it right? You got it right, Dave. (laughs) You got it right. So... Anyway, uh it was great, a great comment. Thank you, Pam. Thank you for listening. And I also want to mention, Al John, that you know, we had Joe Lancisero on a few weeks ago. And Joe sent me a note saying he got terrific feedback from people who listened to that episode. And if you remember last week, uh Don Hahn had sent me a note and I, I mentioned that that he really enjoyed that episode. But but Joe himself had uh such a great time. We're we've I, I am gonna let this out of the uh, out to people. Okay, We're gonna tell. have Joe back on. Okay, <laughs> Joe, Joe Joe is one of the guests that's coming back. We're gonna do an episode just talking about the Disney Cruise Lines.
0: Okay. I can't okay. wait. It's my favorite. I can't yeah, wait.
2: No, it, it's a lot of fun. And Joe's got some great stories uh, about that. So we're looking forward to that, yes. but it, it's always great to get that kind of feedback that, you know, people are listening to the show and enjoying what we're doing. So that's this week's feedback. Oh, that's certainly great.
0: You know, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about the groundbreaking animation and things that are happening and there are things that are happening. and I, I, you know, one thing I did watch this week, and I'm I'm kind of going getting ahead of myself, but I saw the what if assembled uh, from Marvel Studios there on the on the plus.
2: <laughs> on the plus. On and, the uh, plus. And which plus? Uh, yeah. The, There's so the, many the, pluses the, out there. You can't just say on the original, the, plus. <laughs> the original plus, the Disney Plus.
0: And I really enjoyed what Marvel Studios did in terms of their cell-shaded Norman Rockwell-esque animation they did. I thought that was new it was fresh i like the design i like how they tackled those kind of elements uh that i'm going to talk about here and what i watched this week but it was uh it's really nice and the the ninja turtles film that's coming up and and believe it or not elemental which i'm going to talk about here because we we took the fam to see it so you'll, you'll awesome you'll get to hear my, my take on it but that's great feedback once again i encourage everybody to send us those emails and interact with us on facebook instagram twitter and uh, send us those messages to be read here in a future episode of Skull Rock Podcast. What we've been seeing this week are picks, Dave. What did you see this week?
2: Well, you know, because I was traveling, I didn't have a chance to go to the movie theaters again this week, and I I really missed it but i will tell you next week i'll be talking about uh indiana jones and the dial of destiny which i am going to see in imax uh so i'll talk about that next week but on the small screen i watched season three of the bear mm. on hulu <laughs> have you seen the show no but i i've been meaning to <laughs> Okay, This is a great show Um, It's It's about a chef A tortured chef uh, Whose brother Had committed suicide And uh, He's trying to Sort of gather his life back Together and open a restaurant With a dysfunctional crew of people It's absolutely fantastic Um, It stars Jeremy Allen White um, who you may remember was, uh, was one of the family members in Shameless, the long-running series Shameless. Uh, he's a terrific actor, uh, and I have to say, The Bear is a great series. So season three, we were watching. You can watch uh, this on Hulu. All the episodes are up. It's an excellent series. Okay. I also watched the first two uh, episodes of Jack Ryan on Amazon Prime. Cool. It's season four. It's the series finale. This is it. Oh. season. Four. So the first two episodes got right back into it. Love the show. Uh, highly recommend it. I continue to watch Muppet Mayhem on Disney Plus. There you go. And I am just loving it. I mean, the cameos are just absolutely fantastic. They yes. really are. Yes. Um, so, um, and, and we're going to have a guest on in a few weeks uh, to talk uh, about Muppet Mayhem and behind the scenes on that uh, show, uh, so really fun show, really enjoyable. Um, uh, two thumbs up for me. Watch that on Disney Plus. And then I wanted to mention that I th- this just came across um, uh, uh, in the trades, but I had spoken so highly about High Desert with Patricia Arquette. And Matt Damon and Brad Garrett, um, really a quirky, fun show. It was canceled after one season at Mm. Apple Plus. There you go. And I think that stinks. Now, Apple is not taking it off their platform, so you can still watch it. If you haven't watched it, watch this season. It's fantastic. And uh, I'm just disappointed. And Patricia Arquette posted that she thinks it stinks that they canceled it after one season, but this was a great ensemble cast, uh, uh, very quirky characters and really well done. Um, And I, I I'm just beside myself that they're not picking this up for a second season. I think it's a huge mistake on their part. That's a shame.
0: You know, it's, it's a shame when you always have stuff in your queue and then they decide to pull the plug on it. And then you're like, well, should I really invest my time in getting to know these characters only for one season? I hope they were able yeah. to write some kind of satisfying ending for this first season then.
2: You know, I I, I just feel as though um, uh, this was a premature pull of the plug mm-hmm. uh, on a show uh, that should have been picked up, I think. Uh, it was a quality show. Um, uh, Jay Roach... Mm-hmm. Uh, the director, yes, um, great, great uh, directed great. most of the episodes of this. Um, you know, he's a terrific uh, uh, filmmaker. Yes, and, and uh, I just, uh, it, it just saddens me that they don't allow a show to build its audience.
0: People just don't have that time anymore, and it's it's too bad. It's a shame. You're, you know, the thing is, when these things get canceled, it may may still find a home in another service um you just never know we've seen this happen a few times where things flip-flop so you never know
2: yeah i and i hope that this is the case and i hope they they either change their mind and backtrack or someone else picks it up there you go what have you been watching
0: well dave you know uh we're sitting here in the homestead and we actually had a big torrential storm hit us a couple (laughs) days in a row where we lost power (laughs)
2: <laughs> Yikes. but
0: uh so after turning in early a couple nights uh we did happen to check out something that we'll never be able to s- we won't be able to see in its limited run which is rogers the musical over there at disney um avengers academy there on the on the uh at uh disney california adventure and uh, we saw a video that was put up on it and i have to say that this is a really nice production dave i mean for a you know 20 to 25 minute stage play about the life of uh captain america the origin story till the avengers kind of uh you remember you saw the streaming streaming show hawkeye right where hawkeye goes into the theater and does it they actually wrote the whole musical out wow and uh they did the production and it's it's great I really really enjoyed it. This is a uh, it's great to see that kind of theater experience back uh in the parks. I know that they never really left. There's still stage musicals, but you know, I've always been a fan of their version of Aladdin and of course on Walt Disney World beating the beast. So, I'm just thankful that uh, DAPS Magic put up a really nice quality version of that that musical so that the rest of us can see it. So, I really So, enjoyed
2: did it. did you see the entire run? I saw the entire run.
0: Oh, we're on YouTube. It's or? on YouTube. <laughs> wow, it's on YouTube, and it's a quality, quality shot in HD, and it's uh, really nice. So, if you get the chance to see it in person, there over at the uh, over at Hollywood Studios uh, or Hollywood Studios over there at uh, Disney's California Adventure, please check it out there in the park. All right, yeah. Um, here we are with the movie Elemental. So this is Pixar's latest film. It's in theaters. Took the kiddos to see it, and they loved it. But more importantly, I loved it. Awesome. And I will say that the art is great. And while the trailers did this film a very big disservice, I will say that this is, you know, they say fire and water don't mix. And in this film, you'll see how they can and cannot. It's basically an immigrant story of a girl loving this boy I feel there's a lot of um, parallels to immigrants coming to this country of different cultures, not knowing the language, learning how to be tolerant of each other's uh, talents, what they bring to the table and a boy and a girl that find love despite their differences and becoming you know, coming from a, um, you know, a marriage where, you know, I'm a Filipino Chinese, and my wife is, you know, a German American and, you know, we, I found a lot of parallels to that, you know, um, awesome. Are there undertones of different races and cultures not getting along? Of course, but it's done in such a way where it's not in your face, at least for young people, for adults. A lot of uh, reviews have said that this is a little heavy handed. It's a little bit paint by numbers. And I said, look, I get that. But you know, how many times have we said that there are only so many stories that can be told? And this is a great twist on it. It's taken Pixar three years to put this film out. And I think it hurt in the box office for a myriad of different reasons that we can discuss. You know, the fact that, you know, why buy the horse when you can get it for free? Right. They spent so much time going straight to streaming. And when you have a film that's quality, I feel like this is a good quality film. I feel like and the art is really good. The story's pretty well done. Not that there is a film is not without flaws, but uh, I I feel like um, they've really done themselves a disservice. Now everybody can go see their streaming films uh, on the streaming service and not have to shell out the $70 it takes to go see, take the the family out to uh, see a film,
2: you know? So let me ask you this. In your opinion did it feel a little redundant like it was another version of inside out different story or was it completely different, different. so so you know cuz that was what was popping up in some reviews right mm-hmm. but the, the 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 you know you you alluded to it earlier uh you said the trailers did a disservice yes why why did the, why, the trailers weren't compelling enough because nope. they felt like inside out Yep. to a lot of people but wh- why why do you feel that way i feel that way because it's a different
0: type of story i think that if they shot it in a family dynamic where they're facing off against each other then it would be less inside out and more like romeo and juliet
2: got it got it that's it so yeah so this is another case where the trailer Doesn't really give you the insight into what the movie's about or make you care enough to want to go see the movie.
0: It's not look at inside this uh, into the Spider-Verse or whatever the new Spider-Man movie is. Right. It's across the the Spider-Verse. Yes. Thank you. Dave. I'm the one that's a Marvel fan and I screwed that up. (laughs) Uh, So across the Spider-Verse. Hey, look, that movie tells me what I need to know. It tells me what I need to know. And you know what? Cocaine Bear told me what I need to know. And yes. uh, and so did uh, Top Gun Maverick. It told me what I needed to know. And guess what? I was in the great theater trailers. and I, I went there and I, and I and I and I enjoyed the heck out of it. And you know what? This uh, Sisu, same thing. And you know what? For this film, they leaned a little bit too heavy. And I have to say that hey, uh, whoever's doing the the marketing and the trailer creation for Disney and Pixar or whatever, they need to find a new studio to do that because they are doing themselves a disservice and maybe they didn't, they hedged their bets and they didn't market it quite as well as the others. Um, but you know what? You get what you put into it. You pay for a crappy trailer, you get a crappy uh, turnout, you know,
2: Yeah. you know, yeah. bottom
0: line and you hedge your yeah. bet. So uh, I give it a seven out of 10. I loved it. It's good. I'll watch it again. Okay. Good. Uh, watching fantasy Island, uh, catching up on that. It's a fun kind of uh, drama. On Hulu, uh, I'm a sucker for that old Fantasy Island show, and, and this show kind of delivers on that. I was, I've was i been reading Dave Grohl, the storyteller, the book, and uh, mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters. And if you are too, and you want to hear some of the stories of him being on the road and what it's like to have a family and what it's like when Kurt Cobain passed away and, and so many more hardships and heartache, um, but it's inspiring Because Dave, I was
2: was I was going to ask you, did he go into? uh, Did he give a little bit more insight into the death of Kurt Cobain?
0: Not really. In fact, there's a couple things that I wish he covered in the book, and that's one of them. Um, He doesn't go into it. He goes into it from a perspective. This is all seen from his eyes. What's important to Dave. And while he was devastated at Kirk Copain's death and the death of one of his best friends, and this is not uh, this was written pre- prior to Taylor Hawkins passing away, but right. um, he he delivers those moments. He doesn't talk about his his personal relationships so much. He touches on it, but he does touch on his children, and um, so there are th- some things I think are glossed over. But I think he hits the points that he wants people to know about in his career. And his Got personal it. life, but it's very good. And if you love the Foo Fighters and Dave Grohl, this is a must read. And even if you don't, but you're a fan of music and, and pop culture, this is a great book as well. Okay. Um. So I've also seen What If Assembled, and as I had alluded to earlier, I, I've been looking for that kind of um, behind the scenes as to what makes the What If series in terms of their art style different, and I really appreciated what went behind the scenes into making that, that what if animated series. I think that's also a great, you know, standalone uh, series and it's a great animation behind it. So good people at work with what if at at Marvel studios. I also saw secret invasion, uh, the next episode and I'm slowly getting pulled in Dave. I'm slowly getting pulled in. I I feel like the, the first episode should have done a little bit better of pulling me into it. Uh, it was kind of establishing the time and place and everything, but you know, I love my shows to start off with a big bang, and then everybody's kind of picking up the pieces.
2: Yeah, I, you know, as I said last week, I wish they had dropped the first two episodes. They should have. So, so what you're saying is the second episode's better than the first episode. I think so. It really, it's pulling you in. I think so. Okay, I think so, so. That 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 just confirms why they should have dropped. The first two episodes once again, so you right. can watch them back to back and really get into it. I mean, I get that there's only six episodes, which, by the way, I have a problem with. I mean, you know, six episodes is not a series, <laughs> you know, eight episodes, you know, which they they're doing a lot of shows that are eight episodes. Yeah, that that's kind of a a, a cheap season. Yeah, to me. well, you, you know, know what- I think you got to do 10 or 12 episodes or more. I mean, what, remember when they used to do 26 episodes for a season? <laughs>
0: yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And they keep on shrinking. It was like 28 to 26, and then 13. And then, you yeah. Know, just, and and was, they're
2: like, they, are they hedging their bets? Are they saying, well, oh, let's, we'll pay for six episodes. Well, and if it does I, okay, we'll do another six? Well,
0: I think they you wanted know? to try to build a movie, and they just expanded on a movie concept. But I feel that, you know, it was marketed as a limited uh, series. So, um, you know, I guess series, I guess, is the quote unquote TV equivalent of that. You remember when North yeah, and South but, came but out limit, and it was like a few weeks?
2: Uh, a few but days. a limited series to me is at least eight to ten episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's well, a limited series. I
0: will be happy when I can put this all together and say it was worth the time because because if there's you know one of the criticisms too is is sometimes there's too many filler episodes and i felt like the way about the walking dead and they only had a you know 13 episode you know seasons or whatever and i i feel like let's give me no filler all thriller right Right. let's make sure it's not uh, bloated so yeah so secret invasion is growing on me as a marvel fan Last but not least, so I uh, got the wifey to finish watching the Holy Trinity of Indiana Jones movies, Dave. She, awesome. Uh, she watched uh, the um, the one with Sean Connery, and uh, she loved it. She said this was the best one yet, and I don't blame her. Okay. I don't All blame right. her. So we're gearing up to watch Indiana Jones this week, just like yourself. So yeah. that's why we're going through the big rewatch for me and the discovery for her. So uh, She's a convert. She's a convert, Dave. I'm okay. not having her watch a, a Crystal Skull unless she really wants to.
2: <laughs> I, I, you know, something. I, 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 I'm thrilled to hear that she's enjoyed those films because they're that to me they're great summer movies. You know, they're adventure films. I love them.
0: Agreed, agreed. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing the big the new film and uh, making my own decision or making my own, um, you know, my own review of it. So anyway gang what are you watching let us know send us those emails we'll check it out in a future episode of skull rock podcast
1: skull rock podcast ripped from the headlines it's skull rock podcast headline news
0: well speaking of the box office dave indiana jones the dial of destiny whips up 24 million opening day 24 million dave yeah, it's, it's
2: actually heading towards uh, digging up $60 million for opening weekends. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if it does a little bit more than that.
0: Yeah, I mean, is this a good thing, Dave?
2: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I, I absolutely think so. If people are going back to the theaters to see films, you okay, know, well, and, get... as they should.
0: I'm hoping so, too, um, for Disney's sake. Uh, if you're a shareholder, you'd want that as well. <laughs> you just want,
2: please people go out
0: to the movies. um but they're expected to debut near the bottom of projections over the three day opening of sixty million or so. Um, there you go, man, it's not exactly victorious in terms of the tone, but uh, you know, who knows this is just a little bit of the the preview over the course of the holiday weekend. So let's see what happens there. So, having said that, Dave, um, other stuff that's going on. I mean, you know, Sony is still taking taking uh, taking in uh, money with eleven point seven million with Across the Spider Verse, and El- Elemental is looking at third place. This kind of animated romance added another three point four million on Friday to push its av- uh, national uh, North American sales to eighty million but it's not able to justify the 200 million production budget uh, that they spent three years uh, in making. So that's going to be a hard pill for Hollywood to swallow, you know, but like I said, it's uh, quite possibly the fact that, uh, you know, you, you, during the time of the pandemic, instead of putting some of these projects on ice, they decided to release them on streaming. And now it's going to be hard for them to dig back out because everybody will expect to see it in a few months. And, why, why pay the seventy dollars for a family film to take the family to see something when they can see it at home you know right. for for, and for fifteen dollars fifteen dollars a, a month right I mean yeah. that's a thing yeah. so Dave uh we've been talking about how Disney had dismissed their chief
2: well movie. actually she quit or she quit
0: she quit yes yeah
2: but but you know something when whenever you see resigns or quits, you, you always have to kind of take that with a grain of salt because, you know, sometimes they're going to get rid of the person and they say, well, you know, we're, we're, you can resign or you can exit if you want, you know, um, and, and so you don't really know what happened here. But these three stories we have and here are the headlines. Disney woke diversity chief uh, Latandra Newton quits. That's from the New York Post. Warner Brothers diversity, uh, excuse me. Warner Brothers Discovery lays off diversity executive Karen Horn. That's from the Hollywood Reporter, mm-hmm. and then the Motion Picture Academy's executive vice president of impact and Inc- inclusion, uh, Janelle English, resigns. Mm. What's going on here, Al? John, there, there. These are three different, uh, you know, two companies and the Academy. Uh, And they're all losing uh, diversity executives. Are we are we over having chief diversity executives? Is it done? I mean, do companies at this point uh, have uh, diversity, equity and inclusion as part of their their uh, core competency across the executive ranks? You know, I is think, it yeah. is it an HR function? I mean, you know, what what's happening with all of these diversity people leaving? I think as companies as companies continue
0: to drive bottom line growth, they have to get rid of redundancies. Yeah. Bottom line I, I, is, is I, that I, these I, diversity I, officers, yes, it's important for companies to be diverse, but isn't that also mandated in the hiring practices of their companies? it is HR. all part of it. it's part of hr it's a function of hr uh these 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 type of diversity officers although you know good on paper when a company is losing x millions of dollars a, a month uh, a week you know or millions and millions of dollars a year um who's held accountable for it right so these type of redundancies have to be trimmed down for the better of the business and i think uh I think that a lot of it in in its very nature is covered by HR policies and the people that hire, if they have great people there to hire, to do human resources for the company, they are looking at everyone who's fully qualified and able that fit in its company's culture to be part of that company. And if part of diversity is already ingrained in the company culture, then I think this is redundant.
2: Exactly. And by the way, the New York Post says – Disney's diversity chief reportedly exits after woke policies controversies. Now, you know this uh, this person Latandra Newton, who is their diver- chief diversity officer, uh, she was responsible for changing uh, last year the uh, the longtime greeting. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, at the Magic Kingdom fireworks show to promote inclusivity. Mm-hmm. Uh they they remember they changed that, right? That's right. And she also was responsible for ditching fairy godmothers for a more inclusive gender neutral title at dress-up boutiques inside the theme parks. Employees who were formerly called fairy godmothers in training are now called fairy godmothers apprentices. (laughs) You know, so, I mean, honestly- But they're using the word mother,
0: Dave. They're using the word mother.
2: (laughs) Yeah, but you know, it's kind of crazy that you would be paying somebody as a chief diversity officer to deal with those kinds of things. That's just craziness to me, you know, because how much money were they were they paying this person? it wasn't it wasn't a low paying job. No chief diversity officer. She's the chief. You know, that was that was a, you know, a, a, a good six figure uh, salary.
0: Yes, clearly. I mean, you don't get the you don't get the title chief for nothing.
2: Yeah. And, you know? <laughs> and and I have to say, Al John, uh all of these companies that are dealing with this stuff, uh, I think they're all taking notice of what happened to Bud Light at Anheuser Busch.
0: Sure. Well, I'm and sure how
2: much damage that brand uh uh got. I mean, Bud Bud Light had been the number one selling beer for years, mm-hmm. right? Oh yeah. And they uh, they're no longer number one. They've lost a tremendous amount of market share. And I I think companies have to be very, very careful weighing into, you know, political
0: issues. Certainly. Well, certainly there's that sensitivity. And look, I think I think people need to understand (laughs) that there is always room for improvement. There is always room for for companies to make sure that people are heard and seen. But I also believe, too, that you have to trust executive leadership and management of these different divisions, these different companies, to make decisions, informed decisions, knowing who their core base is, how they want to grow their business, what kinds of morals and values and tenets that they will will adhere to for their company to uh, continue thriving. And all that needs to be baked into the company's uh, you know, manifesto. It needs to be baked in there. And those people that make those hiring decisions will always take that into account and hire the people that are best uh, representative of their brand to help run the company. And um, and it's always about making money and being responsible with the shareholders that put money to invest in the company's growth. And um, it's- Al John.
2: Yes. It's all about- servicing your audience servicing the audience 100 who is your audience knowing your audience yes. who is your audience you know with disney it's a very very wide very diverse audience yes but you you have to serve your audience as a whole yes. and as soon as you ta- start taking sides in one area or another you are going to alienate a portion of your audience. That's right. And they should not be stepping into any of those things. Right. You know, make, you know, the parks should be neutral. Yes. They should be inclusive for everybody. Just be neutral, you know, go in there without having all of this political stuff being thrown in people's faces. Yes. People want an escape from reality.
0: They want to enjoy and they want to, enjoy to be they should be free to be themselves but also be responsible that is a place for families and so yeah. so i think i think there's something to be said about people respecting one another enough um that they're able to do both and both can coincide and it has for for years and but can continue to improve but having said that on the topic of this issue um i don't think it's necessary. I just don't. I think HR, right. if they do their job in, in management and in executive huh. leadership does their job uh, to to pay attention to their their chief tenants then all that will be taken care of. You know, yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, there is, like you said, it's redundant. All right. We, we spent enough time on that. The, the <laughs> next item here inside the Turner Classic Movies drama, the TCM drama. You know, they had, uh, they had laid off a whole bunch of people at Turner Classic uh, Movies, uh, and David uh, Zaslow, the uh, chief executive of Warner Brothers Discovery, got a lot of blowback, especially from filmmakers like Martin Scorsese and Steven Spielberg. Yeah. And so uh, those filmmakers are coming on board uh, to uh, be consultants, if you will, to oversee... Uh, and to get TCM back on track and preserved. What is going on over there? I just, it's, you know, it's, it's cost cutting, you know, they did that big Warner brothers discovery merger and uh, they have to cut a tremendous amount of costs. That's why there's been so many layoffs over there. Uh ac- across the board uh, and shows uh, shut down and not renewed and all kinds of stuff because they have to try and save a tremendous amount of money to pay, pay down the debt on this merger. So uh,
0: for me, this looks like this could be near the end. I mean, it looks like TCM may be on life support as a result. And I feel that a lot of these various channels that are limping, um, will probably yeah. end up getting the plug pulled on them as a result of cost-cutting measures, not wanting to pay royalties, yeah. not wanting to pay creators, and having to tighten the belts because of the issue of streaming services that they themselves got themselves into in the streaming wars. These are the casualties that will mount in the years to come, Dave.
2: Yeah. Listen, Unfortunately. I, I, I don't disagree. Uh, and it's kind of a shame because I think TCM has been fantastic. Uh, yep. They've been uh, getting uh, classic movies out into the theaters through Fathom Events mm-hmm. and doing other uh, programs around uh, classic films. Yeah, you know? and I just feel like uh, I don't want to see that go away. I I'm I'm one of those people that looks forward to and goes to the theater to see those classic films.
0: One hundred percent. Yeah. I, I let's let's hope that things get preserved and, and maybe it'll maybe it'll morph and change. We'll just see how the model uh, holds up. Yep. So on the lines of, uh, you know, Bonnaroo, uh Hulu has been doing a great job in terms of broadcasting these various music festivals, Dave. And uh, I I look forward to checking out Essence Fest primetime. Uh, one of the one of my favorite ones to check out is Miss Lauren Hill from the Fuji's. Um, it'll be great to see her live because she's an amazing singer great artist missy elliott megan the stallion as well and this will start streaming on hulu june 30th through july 2nd at 7 p.m nightly which is great Uh, once again an awesome place hulu to check out concerts uh, as they roll live to uh, yeah. to an audience,
2: yeah. you know. I I was gonna say, Al John, I I think this is really great that they're doing this because, you know, I I pick and choose concerts very carefully. I don't go to that many, mm-hmm. right? And I certainly don't go to music festivals. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the you know large like Coachella Valley kind of oh. uh, <laughs> you know festivals. I I just don't. But you know, I have to say. I watched Elton John do his concert from Dodger Stadium. Yeah. And, you know, if you have a really large flat panel television yeah. and you have a good sound system, we cranked the sound up loud. Yeah. So we felt like we were in the concert. Yeah. Even though we were in our our family room. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, and I did the same thing. I watched the Rolling Stones uh, concert. Uh, one of the Rolling Stones concerts. Uh, I think it was the Rolling Stones at the Beacon Theater. Yeah, right. Yeah. I watched that and I cranked up the sound, so I felt like I was there. Oh yeah, you know. And when you have a good sound system, it makes a difference. Certainly. And you know? so I, I, I feel
0: the same way. You know, yeah. my my festival days are behind me. I've been to my share of Bonnaros and Lollapalooza's and yeah. I am I am content, of course, now with the children to sit and watch the Elton John live or the Foo Fighters live at home and and uh, and Bonnaroo as well, uh, which was great. Sure. So, yes, it's great that Hulu's doing these because not everyone can get to these concerts, but I think it only promotes uh, live music because when these acts come to your town, you can experience it for yourself. Um, so I think this opens up, and I think live music is definitely something that everyone should should get in there, just like you know supporting the arts in general. So it's awesome, Dave. Uh, I got this message from you, and I joked about it with my friends. Ryan Seacrest named host of Wheel of Fortune replacing the legendary Pat Sajak as he takes over uh, post the twenty four season, the the twenty twenty four season. Uh, what do you think about this longtime protege of uh, Dick Clark, Ryan Seacrest?
2: Yeah, no, I, 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 I thought this was great, and uh, and I also thought this was uh, handled really well. Mm-hmm. You know, Pat Sajak announced he's retiring, and the producers announced who his replacement's going to be, mm-hmm. and it's a smooth transition. It's not like what happened with uh, um, Jeopardy.
0: Definitely not what happened with Jeopardy. You know, I yeah. Uh, I I feel that they did so many missteps with Jeopardy, but I tell you who they did great. Um, I think they did great when Drew Carey took over for Bob Barker. Yep. I thought that uh, they did great when they placed Wayne Brady and uh, you know uh, you know make make a deal. Let's make a deal. Yeah, but uh, Pat Sajak, Jack, man, man, I'm gonna miss this guy. Um, he's I, been a I part ent- of our lives I, for generations.
2: Yeah. When I first came to Los Angeles, Pat Sajak was doing the weather on CBS. That's amazing. <laughs> on the local station. Uh, nice, you nice. know? So, I mean, you know, he's had this amazing run. He and, has. And I don't blame him for retiring. You know, go out on top.
0: Yeah. And I, I don't blame him or Vanna for that matter. Who knows what what she's going to be doing, but I Well, I Van,
2: Vanna's going to be with Ryan Seacrest at wow. least for the 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 first season that Ryan Seacrest is on. That that
0: is a good so. transition. I I like it, but I will say this about Ryan Seacrest. You know, I, I feel like this is just a stop for him. You know, uh, I hope
2: it's not. I I thought about that as well. I hope it's not because he seems to go from one thing to the next. I hope he sticks with this for a while. I'll I'll take that bet,
0: Dave. I I bet you Ryan doesn't stay longer than, than three years.
2: Okay. We'll see what happens. I'll take that bet. I feel,
0: yeah, I feel like uh, this is a step for him, but we'll see. We'll see. I'll, uh, I'll, we'll talk about it in a future episode. You know what's fun is Futurama. Uh, I love this show. The new trailer brings back uh, Planet Express crew back to life. And it's over there, uh, what is it, a Hulu, as it revives the series. I'm a big fan of Futurama, Dave.
2: Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, And this is a great trailer. I, I highly recommend people check out this trailer. And I'm looking forward to Futurama coming back on. They brought the original
0: voice cast back. So awesome. 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 Now, in Saturday news, uh, we have the virtuoso comic actor with a serious side, Alan Arkin. My goodness. Uh, passing away at the age of 89. Once again, great, great talent. Second City alum who won the Oscar for Little Miss Sunshine. Uh, mem- memorable for his role in The Russians and The In-Laws and The Heart uh, uh, The Heart is a Lonely Hunter. Alan Arkin's been everywhere. And wow, what a life, Dave.
2: No, it, just a great actor um uh such a great body of work uh if you recall uh he was in the Kaminsky method with uh Michael Douglas uh and uh was just just terrific he he worked up until nearly the end absolutely and a lot of Disney fans
0: will remember him in the Rocketeer the Disney released in 1991 uh once again he will be missed and We also have Lou Poulter, Titanic actor and longtime Cal Arts teacher, Dave, someone you knew. I didn't away. know him. Oh, I thought
2: uh, you knew him. No, I didn't know him at all. Uh, he was a uh, teacher in the theater school at Cal Arts. Yeah. Uh, but I have a lot of friends who actually took classes with him. And, uh, you know, he, if by all accounts, he was just a great guy. Uh, he, w- he was a great actor and somebody who gave back. Uh, and, you know, what a life. he He lived to be 94. Absolutely, uh, and and leaves behind a great body of work as well as uh, a lot of students uh, who um, you know went through that program. Ed Harris, oh uh, yes, uh, is a Cal Arts theater alum. Uh, Don Cheadle, yes, uh, you know who's part of the uh, Marvel universe. Yep, uh, you know he he went through Cal Arts uh, through the theater school. Amazing. So I just wanted to give a shout out to Lou Palter, uh, Cal Arts teacher and longtime actor passes away at 94
0: wonderful you will be missed and now it's time for our interview of the week sit back and relax and enjoy cleanup artist and painter and archer eddie gorel here on skull rock let's do it
2: skull rock podcast interview time well al john once again we have a fantastic guest we've got animation artist painter and archer Eddie Goral. Eddie, welcome to the Skull Rock Podcast. Great to be here. And as you can hear, our studio audience is going wild, as it always does. Thank you, Al John. (laughs) Eddie, um, I always start with asking our guests, how did you get into animation? What was your path to get into animation? I was working at a picture frame shop
1: uh, and see what. It was Aaron Brothers and, and I was taking in-betweening classes with Harry Love because I heard that was a good job. But in the meantime, I had told my figure drawing teacher, Glenn Vilpu, who many people already know, that he should apply to Disney because he was getting frustrated with uh, his administration where he was working. So, of course, he applied and immediately they grabbed him and put him in the layout department. And then I had an inside man.
2: That's awesome.
1: So, let, he pulled on, on, hire that guy. He's good. Hire him.
2: Let, let me step back for a second because you mentioned Harry Love. Can you tell us who Harry Love is? Because uh, that, that's a familiar name within the animation uh, business. Yes, isn't you know, it? I,
1: I can't say too much about him except that he worked at Hanna Barbera. Right. He was in charge of the training program. Okay, and I didn't know him in any other context than that. I did hear some stuff afterward. Yeah, did you um did you go to uh, art
2: school at all? Did you go to college? Yes, or? I went
1: to I went to the Art Center College of Design when it was in Los Angeles on Third Street, okay. and I got a bachelor's degree in painting. Okay, and, and then
2: uh, what did you do when you got out of Art Center?
1: Oh well, I drove delivery for a, a friend worked at a printing company. So I drove delivery for him. And then uh, I got a job at Aaron brothers. No, wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, I was over on the West. I'm I'm getting old. So I start to forget some of this stuff. I was, (laughs) I was living near Pico and Robertson and I got a job at Mort's picture framing. Okay. And I worked there for a while and learned some basics about putting frames together. And were you painting
2: in your in your spare time then? Yeah,
1: I'm not a prolific painter, but I've always painted, and I and I I, I continue to. But I, I don't have. I mean, I see some of like that fantastic uh, uh, Craig Nelson. who uh-huh. went, He was a, a couple semesters, one or two semesters ahead of me at Art Center. That guy paints more than anyone I've ever seen. That's amazing. On Facebook, yeah. he's got a gazillion paintings. But I, I love painting. I'll always paint, and I don't have a – I have somewhat of a style. I mean, I could show you some stuff, but there's a podcast that's not too visual. Anyway, uh, so, yes, I've been painting all along and shooting my bow and arrow all, all along. Yeah, I'm, I'm, we're going to get to the archery part
2: of this, you know, because I, I, I'm I willing to bet a few people heard me say archer, and, and they were thinking of the animated TV series. But, yeah. but uh, it, it's really archery. And yeah. we'll, 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 talk about that in a little bit, but okay. I want to get back to, so you got out of art center, you got your, your bachelor's degree and you your, your major was painting. At what point after you got out, did you decide to sort of uh, try and go into
1: animation? How many years passed? Oh, I didn't start at Disney until 79, and I graduated in 71. So I'd been knocking around and working at frame shops for quite a while. Okay. Then then I told uh, Glenn to get a job at Disney, and at the same time I was taking an in-betweening class, and that's how I got in. And
2: and where was the in-betweening class? That was at Hanna-Barbera with Harry Love. Okay, so so you went into the Hanna-Barbera training uh, program. Yes. And
1: And, and I got hired from there. At Hanna-Barbera, right. I worked for one week on Scooby-Doo, and then they laid us all off. They said they had to rework the stories, but they actually sent them overseas. So that was during that period where the work started going over to Asia. Right. So then I went over to Ralph Bakshi, and he was working on Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. So I worked on that movie, and I got trained on character cleanup by... Reda Davidson, who worked on all the Disney, old Disney. Classics. I was going to say, she's, she's a well-known uh, name. Uh, she was, and we had, you know, how you were talking about how you connect with somebody. I connected with her and she yeah. was a great uh, mentor and inspiration to me. And, and uh, how was it working for Ralph Bakshi? That was crazy. Was he it? Was, yeah, he's a, he was a kind of a wild guy, but it was fine. It was a good job. I got paid. It was down on Sunset Boulevard. I forget the name of the building, but I would, it was a, it was a good time.
2: That's awesome. And then from, from there you went to Disney? Yes. So what do how, what was your in into
1: Disney? Was it Glenville Pooh? Well, yes, I applied. I took a, a, a little stack of life drawings in and that, that basically got me into the cleanup department. It's a little bit more complex now. I don't know if I could get into the business anymore.
2: <laughs> yeah, but but did uh, uh, who hired you in? I guess it would be
1: um, uh, what's his name uh, Don Ed Han- Duckwall, Don Duckwall, or Ed, Don or Ed Duckwall. Yeah, I remember Don- Ed Hanson says, "Oh, you graduated from Art Center because like a lot <laughs> of people go but don't finish." Yeah, well, that's uh, that's true of a lot of art schools,
2: uh, especially here in Los Angeles, because they get plucked out and start working right away. Yeah, but um, and what was your first picture at Disney? Fox and the Hound. And, well, let's see, yeah, Fox and the Hound, and and in the uh, Black Cauldron. On Fox and the Hound, what character were you working on, and what were you doing? Were you? I was
1: working with um, Leroy Cross, uh-huh. and he was the cleanup assistant to Cliff Nordberg.
2: Oh yeah, Cliff Nordberg was another one of the uh, old timers that was still at the studio at that point. That's right, and and yeah. Leroy Cross was as well. Yeah,
1: yeah. And and what what characters? Uh, the worm, a lot of the worm, all and the little bird, all uh-huh. the little fun characters on the side. And I, okay. I'm sure I did some of of the main characters. I don't even remember now.
2: Yeah, and then you and from there you went on to Black Cauldron. Yep. What do you remember most about Black Cauldron?
1: Um, the, the, the spirit in the studio was not as high as it could be. And, uh, but I also remember Frank Frezzo, who did a lot of the conceptual drawings. He was a Vietnam vet, and he, his very dark pictures inspired a lot of the look of the film.
2: Yeah, it was a dark picture. That's
1: for sure. That was my
2: first picture. Oh, uh, I, 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 I came, I came aboard Disney on the Black Cauldron. So you were in effects. Right? Yeah, I was in the effects department. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I, and, and you know something, I, I, I kind of remember that picture as being almost like one of the last pictures that had that Disney look to it right from 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 the the previous decades if you mm-hmm. will mm-hmm. you know uh, because stylistically things changed after
1: that that's right you know i remember they started laying people off and i stayed on as a cell painter and painted the little glowing elves <laughs>
2: yeah uh, the the fair folk yes the Fair Folk. I, I, I wound up doing the same thing. I uh, To my surprise, I didn't get laid off, and they asked me if I'd paint some cells, and I thought it was the best education I ever got on uh, the whole back end of the animation process. Yeah. You know? That was pretty cool. Yeah. And, and after Black Cauldron, you went on to what? Uh, I, I think it
1: was the Mouse Detective. Gray Mouse Detective. And during yeah. the Mouse Detective, we got moved over to Flower Street.
2: Yes, as I like to uh, say, and I've said frequently on the show, we got kicked off
1: the studio lot. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I like to say, I, I like to say I was in the last group that was on the studio lot. There you go.
2: <laughs> um, you had a good run though at Disney. What was you, what was uh, sort of thinking back to that period? Because that really, after Great Mouse Detective, it really got into, you know, those pictures like
1: Oliver and Company. And, and I got laid off. After, oh, you got, the, mouse, after you, the Mouse Detective, I was laid off. For how long? Um, oh, I didn't come back until uh, um, um, Hunchback. Really? Because I got laid off. I went to Filmation. Frank Frezel was working at Filmation. Yeah. And he gave me, opened up my head about doing clouds. So I've, I've, I've got this thing now, I really enjoy painting clouds because of what he gave me. It was pre-production for Snow White and the Seven Dwarf Elves.
2: Oh, my gosh. I remember there was a lot of controversy around that, and they had to have somebody from Disney review everything to make sure there was no copyright infringement on the Disney film, right? And
1: then from that, I got invited to go to um, Ireland with Don Bluth. Did you go to Ireland? Yes. Oh, my gosh.
2: Because I was there on Land Before Time. Yeah, that's when I was there. Yeah.
1: And and did you just do do Land Before Time? No, I did Land Before Time, All Dogs Go to Heaven, and Rockadoodle, and then I left. Wow. I remember Don Bluth said, okay, I don't want you guys fraternizing with the locals. So I say, you tell a bunch of artists in a pub country not to fraternize with the locals, and so now I have two red-haired, freckle-faced kids. (laughs)
2: <laughs> did you meet your wife in Ireland? I did. Oh my gosh, that's fantastic! Uh, I, I want to step back for a second because you you went over to Filmation. How long were you at Filmation for before you went to Ireland?
1: You know, I I don't think it was even a year. I don't think I don't remember. I could look it up, but I don't know. It wasn't that long.
2: So you were at Filmation, you finish off what you were doing or did you just leave Filmation because Bluth offered you his job
1: over in Ireland? Yeah, I think it was that. Yeah. Had you ever left the country before? Not really when, when my parents took us to, to Ensenada when we were kids, but other than that, no. Well,
2: Ensenada is not really, really, yeah. I, I wouldn't consider that really leaving the country. Right. That's kind of like crossing the Southern border to go to a beach community. <laughs> <You
1: know? laughs> and, and going to Ireland. That was the first time I realized I'm an American. I never thought of that. Right. I could just really see it. And people there were so friendly. It was just a, it was a, very eye-opening experience. Did you like living there? Yeah, I did.
2: You enjoyed it. Yeah. How far? How How soon into the time you got there did you meet your wife? Oh, it was a couple of years. Was, was she working at the studio, or was, did you? Pay- yeah, she was painting cells. Okay, so that's how you met her. Yeah. And 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 did you guys marry over there and come here, or did you marry? No, over She here? came
1: over on a visitor thing, and I stole her.
2: Oh, okay. Fantastic. I, I'm sure she likes to hear you say that. <laughs> <laughs> what do you remember most about working uh, at Bluth in Ireland? The pub life. And, uh, um, and that's really what it was all about over there, right? Because when you finished your day's work, everybody went to the pub for a
1: beer. Exactly. And not, not the day's work the mornings work and then for lunch you go to the pub and then right. you come back and you work and then you go back to the pub again. Wow. And, it's, and you go in there and it's just bustling positive energy. It was a, it was a good time. Did, did I, you... I didn't go every time, but yeah, I did a lot of Guinness, but, but you did it a couple days a week. I'm sure. Oh yeah. 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 I never acquired a taste for Guinness. Oh, I, I like it, I, but I don't drink it now. I mean, if somebody get, gives it to me, I'll drink it, but I, I don't seek it out. I don't.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, I, I, I seek
0: that. it out. I seek it at, out. All Al, the time. John,
2: do you like Guinness? It's my favorite.
1: Is That'll
0: it really?
2: I, I always looked at it as like motor oil. Oh. And, and, and by the way, I, ha- I have an aversion to it because when I was at Bluth in Ireland, we our uh, studio was on the River Liffey. And during the summer, you know, if you had the window open a couple times a week, you could smell the uh, I I guess it was the hops being roasted at the Guinness Brewery down the river. Yeah, I remember
0: that. Remember
1: that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably, probably crazy. Probably not the best
0: smell in the world, but still great beer.
1: (laughs) Yeah, healthy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so,
2: so you you met your wife in Ireland while you were working at, at Bluth, and then you brought her to the U.S. You guys got married. When you came back, did you
1: get a job right away at Disney? No, I, that was uh, 1990, and I and Don Bluth had paid for a thousand pounds of possessions to be shipped to Ireland, and right. that you're done. Yeah, and I. While I was in Ireland, I got to know, you know, Joey Mildenberger. Yeah, yeah. And he's from Olympia, Washington. He described it to me. So I had all my stuff shipped to Olympia, Washington, never having been there. And then when Gloria came back, we drove up there and got an apartment and lived there for a while. And I was, uh, I wasn't working in the business. I was, I did do a little freelance for Don Bluth, but I was teaching, uh, life drawing and I was teaching archery through the city and I was the assistant manager of our apartment complex to pay the rent and then uh after five years she looks at me and she says well I said well what and she's she says family and I said I thought you didn't want kids and she says well I didn't then so and she gave me this look that she'd be on the next plane back to Ireland so Andrew was conceived and then we came back to LA and he was born here. And and so when you moved back to LA, uh, what did you do when you got back here? I went to uh, on, uh, uh, what's her name? I got, I got in the, um, uh, on the hunchback. So I was doing, I was uh, Randy Fulmer's assistant or, you know, kind of an assistant and doing corrections on hunchback.
2: Okay. And, and then, uh, and then you stayed at Disney for how long?
1: Until the end of Tarzan. Wow! So you had a good run there. I had a good run, but I had a break in service. I didn't get the full pension.
2: The uh, from the motion picture. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, that was kind of a bummer. But oh, so you didn't meet you didn't meet the hours. Right. Oh, interesting. That's too bad. Yeah. So I work at a frame
1: shop three days a week now.
2: So, and, and you're still painting and you still do an archery. I want to talk a little bit about the archery because I find that fascinating. I, I you know, it, it, it's amazing to me, all the animation folks that we have on the show, everybody has their sort
1: of little side thing that they like to do, you know? And do you, do you remember me shooting out behind the building along the Liffey? no.
2: I never remembered you shooting yeah. you know I was I was in Ireland for nine months oh I, I, I came on I did effects on uh, land before time from January of 87 until September when we finished the effects September of 87 and then I moved to London to do who framed Roger Rabbit Oh you know There's so I don't I, I, Ireland was a blur to me and I don't remember you shooting behind the building. Do
1: you remember Jim Mann? Yeah. Jim Mann was into archery as well. Uh Uh-huh. And he was friends with these guys in England called the Bowman of Bosworth. So I... And who were they?
2: Before you even go further, who were those people? The Bowman of Bosworth? Yeah,
1: they were bowmen. They were archers. They were archers, and and they shot the old-fashioned... You would longbows with, with horn tips. Okay, classic English longbows. So we were their guests at the 40th annual Golden Arrow Archery Tournament in Nottingham. Wow! And that was a, a kind of a contemporary type of uh, archery meet. There was modern Olympic style bows and compound bows. And did you did did you compete? Well, I shot in the shoot, but I in that one I couldn't compete because they, you know these Olympic people have the sights and all the whole thing. All right. The next day we were the guests of the Bowman of Bosworth and they had a roving range where you walk around and shoot at I think it was 28 targets and you shoot four arrows at each target. and at that one, so that was like a little competition and they would tease us calling us our the colonists with their toy American bows) <laughs> And I was shooting at that time. I was physically at my peak, I guess. I was shooting an 80-pound longbow, which is way heavy. I I always recommend people don't do it. There's no necessity for that. But anyway, I, I figured I pulled like four tons that day. At the end of the shoot, we went into the clubhouse, and they were announcing the awards, and they said, and the winner by eight bullseyes from the colonies, Eddie Guerrero, Really? So, Congratulations. That's awesome. So that was really fun. And I won a box of chocolates. And then we went <laughs> to this little pub and I don't remember anything after that. <laughs> that that's so fantastic. You
2: know, I, I think to me, uh, it's those kinds of stories uh, from traveling uh, for animation. Because you you went to Ireland. Yeah. And then went over to England. Yeah, you know, and I
1: spent Christmas
2: in Copenhagen. Yeah, so I mean, those, those are those are the memories, right? You know, the, those are fantastic. But but when you when you came back from Europe, uh, and you, I know you went to Washington State, but then you got back into Los Angeles when you got hired on to Hunchback, and you had a nice little run there. Um, what you know? What do you remember from Hunchback?
1: Hmm. Nothing. <laughs> well, I remember. I remember, you know, like the crunch times. How you'd be working it's like sixty, seventy hours a week. I I don't know how I did that. Yeah, it, you just get into a pattern of it. You,
2: you get into a rhythm, I think. Yeah, you know, and and, and it's uh, it's not having any outside life.
1: That's right. You know, it's I'd like always go going to, to the. I'd go to the life drawing workshops that they had. Those were always inspiring because it was a little bit outside the yeah. work. Yeah and
2: uh did you uh did you ever have any aspirations to teach
1: I mean I know you were teaching up in Washington but and yeah I did I I do like to teach I taught for a few years a place called McGlory Art Center I was teaching figure drawing up there that's in Tonga And, and how did you like that I like it but you know now if I want to teach somewhere they want a master's degree I don't have that
2: and so they're not even taking into consideration, uh, you know, real
1: life experience. Well, I haven't at schools. I don't. I don't know. I haven't actually pursued that. Yeah. Though I enjoy it. I, mean, yeah. I, taught, I taught karate for many years too. When you finished
2: Hunchback, what did you go on to after Hunchback? Um, Mulan. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And and you did clean up. Yes. Yeah. What did you like about clean up?
1: What did I like about it? Yeah. When it's well done, I like it. You know, sometimes in in my own aesthetic would say this, this looks wrong or this shouldn't be like this, but you can't do it because you're just filling in, you're filling in what's already there. So it's kind of tedious. It's not a, it requires creative sensibilities, but not creative input. Right. Right. And, And, and from, uh, from, from Mulan what, what was the next picture Um What was the next one after Mulan Hercules Okay And then was, was Tarzan after that And then Tarzan yeah Yeah and I worked on Jane mostly
2: What uh, on uh, um, uh, Tarzan, Tarzan Tarzan You spent most of the time working in the Jane unit Yes Who's the
1: animator on Jane Ken Duncan Ken Duncan, that's right. He's a supervising animator. Yeah. Yeah. When you go into... I took a picture. I've got a picture somewhere in his office. It was just piled with drawings. Yeah. It's it's pretty crazy.
2: What uh, When you think about animation uh, and you look back on your career, um, any bright spots? Anything jump out to you as being
1: like, that was such a great time? Or Oh, yeah. Because I, I got to know... I had my drawings checked by Eric Larson. When you have an experience like that, you have to be ecstatic about it. It's one of the nine old men. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I actually bumped into Ollie Johnson. We were at a restaurant and my son was a little boy then, and he had a picture of a dinosaur and Ollie says, Oh, that's very good. my son went, Whoa, I mean, that, what a, what a treat. We went to, and we went to uh, his house um and saw the the train tracks. They had it in the yard. Yeah. And it yeah, went yeah. through the his in his kitchen. You open a cupboard and there's train tracks going through it. It was amazing.
2: That's so great. Did you did you get a chance to know him somewhat
1: well or not? Who, no, yeah. not really. Not not well. Just just chit chat. No. But,
2: but enough to be invited to his house. Yeah. 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 I think, I, you know, when I look back, I kind of feel like we were lucky in that we overlapped with all those guys. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, was I mean, no, if, I, I, having, you know, the opportunity to talk with Eric Larson and, you know, uh, Ollie and Frank and, you know, some of the greats, you know, Willie, yeah. I remember Willie Reiterman and, of course, Claude Coates. I, I wrote a book on Claude Coates because I knew Claude. Oh, cool. I, I, I mean, it, it's like I feel very lucky that we had that opportunity to overlap with that original
1: group of artists that, that yes. really started out with Walt. Yes. You know? I had one experience, you asked me. Uh, I was in uh, B-Wing in the animation building. In the animation building on the Burbank yes. lot. and and I had a brochure for a commemorative Howard Hill longbow. And I knew that that day in the commissary was Roy Rogers. And I also know that Roy Rogers knew Howard Hill. Wow. So I I just hovered by my window until I saw him come out of the commissary. And he was walking, I walked up to him with this brochure and I said, I think we've had a common acquaintance and I showed him this folder, and his eyes teared up. And he said, "Oh, he was a wonderful guy." And he autographed it. Uh, Happy trails from Roy and Trigger. Oh my gosh! I hope you still have that. Yeah, I still have that. That's fantastic,
2: God, What that that is so? What a great memory that is. Yeah, I you know I I have a lot of fond memories about being on the studio lot. You had the opportunity, obviously, to be on the studio lot oh, as yeah. well. Yeah, you know, and it was just a great campus to be on. Yep. See the Zorro set, walk down those dusty roads, and they just took all that away. Did you ever do any dumpster diving for cells when they threw the cells in the dumpsters?
1: Yeah, yeah, I did. I got one. I think I, but they cut them when they throw them in there. They would slash them. Yeah, but I did get one. What's his name? Uh, um, oh, he was a cleanup artist. He was an old timer. Chuck, was it? It wasn't Chuck Uh, Jones.
2: No, no. uh, I I remember who you're talking about. Uh, He had he had a goatee, a gray goatee. Yes, yes. It was Chuck. I, I can't remember his last name now because he used to get the cells all the time and he would just cut the excess cell around the character yes. and pin it up on a, on a, and court. I looked at it
1: and I said, Oh, that's so cool. He says, you want one? Take it. So I got one of Lucifer leaning up against the door, you know, waiting for the mice to come out.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That, so, that, that's great. Um, what are you doing with archery? You, you've been, how long you've been,
1: how long have you been doing archery? When I was, you know, the uh, Adventures of Robin Hood with Errol Flynn. Yeah. Yeah. That was made in 1938. Uh And Howard Hill did all the shooting in that. If you look at the credits, it says captain of the archers, Howard Hill. And he's in the movie in the sort of a secondary character in the, uh, when they have the tournament with the golden arrow that. Yeah and presents in the elimination they say oh and the welchman out and this guy stalks off that was howard hill he taught everyone to shoot and he did all the shooting in the movie anytime he uh, you saw an arrow stick somewhere near somebody it was coming from his bow wow so he was about 38 years old because he was born i think 1900 in 1955 i was nine years old and i was in the cub scouts I didn't really like the Cub Scouts because I don't like that kind of regimentation thing. I'm a weirdo, you know? And so we had this activity and we we're and it was up, you know, where the Greek theater is. Yeah. It's a little cul-de-sac. Just before you turn left, it's a dead-end road and there's picnic tables and stuff. So we were waiting. There, was, We were waiting up by the, this place called the Big Fireplace. There was somebody was going to come and do something for us and they were late and it was hot. It was summer in Southern California. I was bored. I wanted to go home. Mm-hmm. Finally, we sauntered across the street and sat down on the dusty sun and this old man he was he was 55 it blows my mind i'm 12 years older than he was then this uh. old man comes out with this this bow and shoots at a, a rattlesnake target and misses the snake and i'm thinking oh man what is this is dumb that arrow sure went fast and then he he says in the southern drawl well I guess I better aim a little better. And then he put three arrows right in the head of this rattlesnake target. And I, yeah, I did. My eyes did what yours just did. Wow. Shooting wooden discs rolled along the ground, tossed in the air. He did a demonstration for like half an hour, finished up hitting a quarter, tossed in the air. With an arrow. With an arrow. And I just said, mommy, I want a bow. So I had a little, I was nine years old. I had a, that was 1955. And I got a fifteen-pound lemonwood long, York longbow, and I shot that until my fingers bled, and just shot and shot and shot. I lived up in, uh, uh, you know, where the um, Shakespeare Bridge is on Franklin Avenue. Now, it's east. It's East Franklin. There's a Montessori school it used to okay. be a lot. I used to shoot my bow down there. <laughs> then, when I was ten, we moved up to uh, Las Feliz, and I could walk where across from the Greek theater is the Roosevelt Golf Course. Uh-huh. But back then, it was an archery range. Yeah. So I used to walk up, shoot my arrows up Vermont Avenue until we got to the range and spend a whole day shooting there.
2: And so you've been shooting arrows
1: ever since? Yeah. And How often do you shoot? I go three days a week. And where do you shoot now? There's a place called uh, uh, the Pasadena Roving Archers. And it's an archery range that's been there. It's below the Colorado street bridge and the Arroyo. Oh yeah. It's been there since 1935. And I think Howard Hill helped set it up uh-huh. and they shot some of that Robin Hood movie down there. Wow. And, and so that's still going. Yeah. And, where, and where are you
2: now? I'm, I'm up in uh, Santa Clarita. Oh, okay. Oh
1: yeah. yeah. Come on yeah. down sometime. I'm there yeah. Friday, Sunday. That's fantastic.
2: Uh, you know, let's get back to animation, though, because uh, a lot of our, oh, okay. uh, our a lot of our listeners want to talk <laughs> about animation and art. Uh, but uh, I'm just curious, uh, you know, if, as far as your career is concerned, you know, what uh, it, it, do, you, do you look back and say I would do that differently or I wouldn't have gone to Ireland? Or do you feel like you've everything you've done, you would have done over again?
1: You know, I can't say I would do it over again because I'm not. Back again, but I don't have any regrets about any of it. Yeah, yeah. Everything is grist for the mill of our awakening, isn't it? There it is. There it is. And and, uh, as far as
2: uh, being part of animation, a part of the animation history, what do you what do you look back and think about? You know, what 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 are the you know what one film bubbles up
1: for you? Hmm. That I worked on. Yeah, you know know. something. So I, that, kind
2: of I, I was going to say, yeah, something that you worked on that, you know, I, I know it's difficult to, to sort of put your finger on one picture and say, this is the picture that I, I will always remember. But, uh, you know, for me, like what bubbles up is working on Who Framed Roger Rabbit in London. But, you know. I I have fond memories from all these different pictures I was involved with. Do you feel the same way? Do you, is there one picture that bubbles up and says, "Wow, I had such a great time working on that," or I met my my wife
1: on that picture, or whatever? Well, that w- that would have been uh, rock a doodle. Yeah, that probably would have been rock doodle. I guess.
2: And, and was she working at the studio for a
1: while, or did she... Was yeah, she-, she was there the whole time I was. Oh, and it was just, you happened to cross paths uh, when... Yeah, you-, you know, you're walking up and down through the building, and I see her, and then I see her again, and I see her again, and I asked her how she was going with somebody else then. It just happened. Yeah. What What
2: made you leave uh,
1: Ireland? Were you just sort of done, or...? Yeah. <clears throat> Things... Um. I figured it was just long enough because while I was there, I never came home. I didn't, I stayed there for three and a half years. And I found myself asking people, what's it like back there? You know, I couldn't remember. And when I came back, I went through a major culture shock. The thing I learned from living in Ireland is that in Ireland, people uh, work to live. And in America, we live to work. Really? They don't, we don't enjoy Life the way they, I mean, that was my impression. The way
2: they right. do, so yeah, and I wouldn't disagree with that. I mean, I think I think America is very much sort of a workaholic, yeah, uh, mentality. Yeah, you know, um, you know, to some degree, unless you set your own boundaries. That's right. You know, I mean, we we're, were you somebody who you know you put in a solid day and did a lot of work, and at five o'clock you put your pencil down and walked out the door, right? Right. I mean, you know, yeah, Yeah, but whatever time it was, but I mean, you you have to have those boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Uh, what are you doing now? Aside from working in the uh, frame store, you still painting and
1: you still, you still do an archery. Yes. I I can, I just painted a picture of my son are you
2: doing doing, Do you do mostly portraits, or are you doing portraits and landscapes? No, I
1: do. I do landscapes as well. I don't know if you can see this. Uh
2: it's, oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, you can see his red beard. Yeah, that's awesome.
1: <laughs> have you had any shows at all of your work? No, I just no. I you know I, it's so expensive to frame things, so I just haven't. Frame, just, I, mean, I don't have enough. I, I mean. I suppose I could go through. I've got a whole bunch of paintings, but some of them, I, I went, I was going uh, every week to a uh, uh, art center. They had free for alumni where you could have a paint for the model for a six hour pose. Wow. So that was really a good thing. I, I got into that. And the, the the guy that was running it, his name was Sean Burke. I got him into archery. Now he's living up in Montana <laughs> deer and stuff. <laughs>
2: And in the six hours, would you get you'd you be able to get most of a painting down or at least a yeah. pose down and you could finish it later?
1: Yeah. And sometimes I would just call it a study and that's it. Uh huh. Yeah. And one and I know when I first went back, I did a painting and then I did another painting from that one, a more refined one. And yeah. I enjoyed that. So you did a study
2: and then you did a finished painting yeah. off of it yeah and I and have you sold any of your work?
1: yeah and and I did if in Pasadena, if you ever go to the uh, uh Trader Joe's on Lake and Del Mar, uh-huh it's upstairs. I painted the murals in that store. Oh, is that right? And then I helped in a couple other stores <laughs> and I did a commission for this guy in at in Zuma Beach, which was the biggest painting I've done. It was nine by fourteen feet of a horse. Wow, and, excuse me.
2: And, uh, uh, but you, you, you only do those every so often, the commissions. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. And what's in store for, for Eddie Goral in the future? Well, this guy who I painted the big painting for in the Malibu fires, he, his house burned down. So he lost that painting. So he lost that painting. He wants another one. The painting was a copy of a, um, eight, 19th century French artist. Uh, Alfred de Drew and it was of a, a white Arabian stallion and a slave <laughs> nice painting and I just enlarged it and painted it on this huge canvas but so now he wants he's he has a horse and he he's, he wants a picture of it so we're talking we're still in uh, discussions about that
2: That that's a, an undertaking how, how long does it take to do a painting that large
1: it, at least several days, maybe longer. I don't know. You know, and i that was, I did the other one like 20 years ago. I don't have that, as much steam as I used to. <laughs> Where
2: did you do the painting? Cause that's a large I, painting. I did do. it in this house. Oh, you did better, it right. On,
1: you re- did it right there. Yeah. Nine by 14 feet. I, I said, listen, I, I can't stretch a canvas that big. And, I, and if I could, I'd have no way to transport it. So he had a, somebody do it in, in the house. Wow. And then you just showed
2: up and yeah. spent several days and painted the whole thing. That's right. Ah, that's amazing. And, and do you have more
1: commissions on the horizon? Well, the that next one. one that he's talking, he's begging me to do. I said I didn't want to do it, but then he made an offer I could, can't refuse.
2: Well, that's a good thing. Yeah. You know, you're, you're getting paid for your artwork. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. That's right. Yeah. Um. Well, I... I feel like we're we're sort of wrapping it up here. Okay. Um it, it was great catching up with you and and hearing what you've been up to. You know, it's nice talking to you too, Dave. Yeah, I think more than
1: we've conversed in all the years we worked together.
2: Oh no, we've had conversations over <laughs> the years. Please, this is the most concentrated conversation we've had in years but uh i have to say eddie it was fantastic having you on the skull rock podcast and i look forward to bumping into you again soon
1: you can find me at the archery range three days a week fantastic i look forward to it all right become a supporter of skull rock podcast with small
0: monthly donations to help sustain future episodes for just 99 cents a month you can do that just like Lindsay and Joshua. Thank you so much for your support of our show. Be sure to click our link to support the show at SkullRockPodcast.com forward slash support.
1: Skull Rock Podcast. Oh, infinity and beyond. Exploring
2: the outer reaches of the Disney galaxy
0: oh wow you flew magnificently wow uh archer extraordinary <laughs> extraordinary <laughs> extraordinaire <laughs> i should say Eddie Guerrero. and uh I uh, does that make you want to pick up a bow dave and take him up on some archery lessons you
2: know i i have to say it it, it really does you know and <laughs> and maybe I maybe i will go to an archery range and and try my hand at it it's been a long time since i've shot any arrows uh yeah, um, i have not I remember doing it at camp when I was a kid. So.
0: Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Look, Hey man, you know, uh, he, he was, uh, he's going to pass a lot of feats of strength because uh, it takes a lot of strength to pull that bow back and, and shoot with uh, any competency. So uh, my hats off to you, sir, but thank you for sharing your story. And we do thank you for staying all the way to the very end of this podcast. We do appreciate it. Don't forget y- uh, y'all that uh, we would appreciate a follow. And like over social media, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, we have a Facebook group in there as well. Uh, so many great uh, places and, and various uh, podcast networks. So we have to thank Sorcerer Radio as well as our friends at Laughing Place and so many other places that help promote the show. We do appreciate that. Um, and of course, you can email myself and Dave, the all important email address. We do appreciate it aljohn at skullrockpodcast.com or david skullrockpodcast.com don't forget to give us those five star reviews and share this show and podcast on social every little bit helps uh you can follow me aljohn go on instagram and check out my other show dining at disney podcast with two shows a week if you love disney and food you'll love that show
2: dave Hey, uh, I I just want to remind people, you can always go to my website, davidbossert.com. If you're interested in getting a signed copy of one of my books, you can go to theoldmillpress.com. They have a beautiful new website. Uh, So check that out. And uh, with that, I hope you have a fantastic 4th of July. Uh, Go out, have a great week, and we'll see you back here next Monday, right here on the Skull Rock Podcast. (laughs)